0: This is The Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Well, it is The Rundown. Good evening, everybody. I'm Tim Ring, filling in for Luke Lipinski on a suddenly very windy, a very windy Wednesday in the Valley. Jeff Darge in charge behind the glass tonight. Jeff, at about, I don't know, 5 o'clock, 4.30, the wind picked up. You're walking down the street, literally hang on to your hat. I mean, that was nasty. Tumbleweeds flying across the highway and across Shea Boulevard. What was going on there? Soccer practice canceled. I get the desperation call for my daughter. Come back and pick me up. I say, no, I can't. The radio needs me. Find your own ride home. She's nine. (laughs) Hitchhike. Fly a kite. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's perfect kite flying weather. Go out there. Enjoy the elements. Walk home. When I was your age, I used to have to walk to practice and walk home, in the snow, both ways, barefoot, uphill. Yeah, once again, Luke Lipinski off tonight. I'm Tim Ring filling in for the next two hours. Good to be with you. Lots to get to, of course. A lot of Cardinal talk again as Steve Keim met the media today. Talked a lot about J.J. Watt and the acquisition, of course. We're going to get into that a little bit as well. We just heard briefly there from Steve Kime on Larry Fitzgerald and Larry's future. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well and also hear from Patrick Peterson. Interesting thoughts from Patrick today talking about the Watt acquisition and how that may impact his future with the Cardinals if, in fact, that is even a remote possibility anymore. Of course, talking big time about the Suns and that win last night in L.A., 114-104 uh, over the Lakers. Their first win in L.A. in four years. Uh, they are now 15-3 and in their last 18, second-best record in the West. Uh, the Suns are on a flat-out roll. Uh, yeah, they beat a depleted Laker team. Last night, but at the same time, the Suns were, you know, shorthanded as well. Devin Booker ejected midway through the third quarter, so basically played uh, only a half and a quarter, of, not even a half a half and a half a quarter of basketball. Chris Paul makes one basket the entire game, and DeAndre Ayton doesn't play in the fourth quarter, but yet they beat the defending world champs by 10 points, again, 114-104 the final. Now, again, the Lakers, of course, without Kuzma and Gasol in that game, without Anthony Davis, obviously. But at the same time for the Suns, uh, you know, the, the the mental hurdle in finally beating that team on their home floor, to me, you know, that was about beating the gold jersey and the name across it. And, of course, that guy with the beard – that's always blowing into his fist on the perimeter named LeBron James was out there as well. So that matter, mattered to me last night. And I think it mattered to that son's locker room to get over that hurdle. And I don't care if the Lakers dragged out Smush Parker and Chris Mim and Kwame Brown and the bones of George Mikan last night. That was an important win for the Suns franchise and their psyche and their mentality as they continue this ascension in the Western Conference and this ascension into a playoff team that – not only will enter the postseason for the first time in a decade, but a team that's poised and hopeful to do some damage once they get there. So we'll get more into the Suns in just a bit, briefly setting the table. Uh, Also today, in case you're just getting into your car, the D-backs finally win a Cactus League game today. Merrill Kelly, excuse me, Luke Weaver gets the start, Uh, goes two shutout innings, no hit ball. D-backs beat Cleveland 9-4. D-backs score more runs and knock out more hits today than they did in their first three games combined. They had begun the Cactus League season 0-3, but they get a win today, 9-4 over Cleveland uh, on the road, uh, like that matters. Also, outfielder Tim LeCastro today, uh, it's announced he tests positive for COVID. He is asymptomatic, uh, but he will be out a minimum of 10 days. And, of course, Cole Calhoun uh, going to be out for a while as well. The Coyotes on the road tonight. They face off against the Kings in just under two hours. The Coyotes coming in after three days off. They are 9-9-3 nine, nine, on the year Connor, Connor Garland expected to play uh, in that game. ASU back on the road tomorrow night against Colorado with the win. The Devils get back to the 500 mark at 11-11. and 11, And then on the road Saturday at Utah, if they play these games, of course, with this season, you never know, they can actually finish the regular season above 500. Not what anybody hoped or expected coming into the game or coming into the season, but that is where where we are uh, with them. Bobby Hurley joins us uh, coming up a little bit later on. Uh, We'll hear from the Sun Devils head coach uh, as they wrap up the regular season before the Pac-12 tournament, which begins uh, coming up next week uh, in Las Vegas. Speaking of ASU, football season underway today. Spring football, believe it or not, it is Herm Edwards' fourth season in Tempe, and spring football kicked off today. Chris Cartman, editor and czar of Sun Devil Source, joins me uh, tonight at 730 to get his thoughts as spring football opens up uh, for the 2021 Arizona State Sun Devils. And believe me, they have a lot of starters returning, especially at key positions in the secondary And, of course, at quarterback, but a lot to get into. And the great Chris Cartman will join me coming up tonight at 730 to preview the spring football season for Arizona State. Now, shifting gears back to the Suns real quick. Got to get into Devin Booker uh, briefly uh, before we dive into the game coming up uh, in just about 10 minutes. I understand today a lot of people pointing the finger at Devin Booker. Uh, You know, he's got to know better. He's got to understand the officials in this league. Monty Williams, James Jones on these airwaves, again, kind of coming down on Booker. And I understand why they're doing that, because they're trying to prevent their superstar player from having that happen again, uh, not only in a key regular season game, but also, God forbid, a playoff game uh, coming up later this season. Look, I get all that. But if you watch that game last night, look, I understand uh, you can't call an official a name. And we can probably run down the list of names if we were at the bar. Can't quite do it on the radio, so I won't. But you guys can all figure it out. Uh, If Devin Booker called uh, one of the officials uh, the B word, uh, if you will, fine. Tee him up. Everybody can get teed up. But for my money, for Devin Booker to get a double T in that situation, without being animated, without physically going after anybody, without losing his mind, was absolutely preposterous for a league that prides itself on putting fans first and always putting on a show, to have a marquee game like that on national television in prime time on the West Coast, Phoenix versus L.A., Devin Booker versus LeBron James, to have Devin Booker ejected with a double T from two different officials with seven minutes to go in the third quarter, no way. Give me a break. Cannot happen. Should not happen. Now, I wasn't on the court. But from where I sat, looking at Devin Booker's mannerisms, unless he was handing out multiple insults and cuss words to two different refs, which I highly doubt, I don't understand how Devin Booker could have such a quick trigger with those refs and get ejected. I think he couldn't believe it either. And I'll tell you what, Brian Anderson and Jim Jackson, who were calling the game, had no idea what was going on, which leads me to another point that I'll get into later. You know, once COVID ends, you know, forget saving money about not having these announcers either at the game or courtside. They don't know what the hell's going on half the time. Get them back their courtside. But nobody knows Devin Booker's ejected until he's walking off the court pulling his jersey out of his shorts. I mean, that is absurd for him to be ejected for what he did or what he said. Okay, he bounced the ball hard. This is one of the best players in the league. Now, I know it's you can't sit here and say, well, LeBron James does that all the time. I know LeBron James has way more clout than Devin Booker. Okay? But he's not Rasheed Wallace carrying on like an imbecile out there showing up the refs. Devin Booker was upset that he thought he got all ball on a previous possession and he got called for the fall. And then a couple trips down the court later, he felt that DeAndre Ayton got a lot of ball on LeBron James and obviously said something, I'm guessing, to the extent of, hey, let's call it both ways, (laughs) B-word. But bam, bam, double T, you're gone? On national TV? Give me a break. Give me a break. So while I understand James Jones and Monty Williams saying, you know, Devin's got to watch his emotions and he's got to understand the officials and that can't happen, I, I I get it. Because they can't have that happen again. And you don't want to give the officials any opportunity to do that. But the officials got to lighten up. Nobody's Nobody's watching the game, I was going to say, pay for tickets but nobody's doing that but nobody's watching the game all over the country to see you blow your whistle in your tight gray shirt just shut up and call the game yeah Devin Booker runs hot okay that's fine I don't want to take that away that's what makes him Devin Booker he's every right he's every right to carry himself that way and I'm guessing he did have all ball on that previous possession. And that's what he was upset about. Real quick, Monty Williams, uh, after the game last night, had this to say about that Suns win over the Lakers in which Devin Booker was ejected midway through the third and Chris Paul made nary one bucket.
1: Well, I think Jay Crowder said it best. We, we got better tonight. You know, you, you gain confidence when a guy like Booker doesn't play or gets tossed and you're able to pull a game out on the road at the end of a road trip. You know, that, that's a combination for mailing it in and I've said it all year long. This group has shown a lot of resiliency um, but that was that was a big time character win and, and we, we got better. You know, campaign hadn't played um, the last game in the second half of the Chicago game. He came in and gave us a lift. Dooley gave us a lift and then you know, Dario, he just made play, play after play after play. So we I thought we got better tonight, but we probably got more confidence that we can close out games on the road without Devin and Chris saving the day.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it all boiled down to a Suns win, 114-104, in a game that if you stayed up late to watch it, and I'm sure many did, you know, you got the feeling that, you know, the Suns were never going to lose that game, uh, even when Booker went out. And I know the Lakers had it within two, but you know that was a game the Suns were in control, uh, and it was the supporting cast: Sarich, Cam Johnson, Abdul Nader uh, making plays, Jay Crowder, and Mikkel Bridges early on setting the tone. I'll get into that next segment a little bit about you know what the Suns' supporting cast did uh, in this game. Also coming up, Devin Booker today weighed in on what happened last night water under the bridge water off the back however you want to say it uh but Devin Booker's moving on but still good thoughts from Book today at Suns Around. that's coming up after the break it's the rundown Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski Arizona Sports 98.7 no. No. the rundown with Luke Lipinski 98.7 FM Arizona's sports station Alright, six sixteen on a Wednesday, Tim ringing in for Luke Lipinski. It's the rundown on Arizona Sports ninety eight seven. Good to be with you up until eight o'clock. Yeah, the country's getting a pretty good look now at just how good these Phoenix Suns are. Uh last night again against the depleted Lakers team. So what? Okay, we get it. You know, we're not planning the parade here. Uh, But they go on the road and they beat the Lakers for the first time at Staples Center in four years. And they do it, yeah, the Lakers were shorthanded. But essentially the Suns, uh, playing without Devin Booker for a half. Chris Paul, you know, takes the night off shooting the ball. I guess because he didn't didn't feel he needed to. uh, Makes a single shot uh, in the game. And DeAndre Ayton, because of matchups and, you know, Monty Williams just liked what he saw on the floor. uh, DeAndre didn't get off the bench in the fourth quarter. So the Suns' big three Uh, You know, Booker had 17 before leaving, so it's not like he didn't contribute, you know, to the win. Uh, But, you know, down the stretch when the Suns put the game away, uh, it wasn't the big three doing the damage. Uh, It was the supporting cast. And I mentioned uh, Dario Saric going into the break. Uh, Saric with 21 points in the game, including 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, just, you know, again, and I've talked about this with Kaminsky when I filled in for Luke before, and it's the same thing I'll say about a guy like Dario Saric. I mean, he's just a pro. He's a pro's pro. Uh, And what I mean by that, he's got a game. He's got ability. Uh, He's not a fly by night guy that every once in a while will have a night with a horseshoe up his rear end where he can score 25 points and then you never hear from him again. Uh, This is a guy that, when called upon, has the game, the skill set, and the ability and the mindset to help his team win a basketball game. And not only against a team like the Bulls or the T Wolves, can help his team win a game against the likes of the L.A. Lakers and the upper echelon teams in the NBA. And I can say the same thing about a guy like Frank Kaminsky. Now, listen, these guys are limited. You know, they are role players. But within those roles, they are great at times when called upon. And at worst, they can be very, very, very good. Sarich has a game. He's a good player. He knows how to play the game. He can shoot the three. He can post up. He can handle the ball. He put Markeith Morris in the torture chamber down in the post last night and embarrassed him. Uh, which was probably something many Suns fans had a nice giggle about uh, watching the game. But Saric can play. There's no doubt about it. Look, he's not going to get you 21 a night. If he's your A or B player on your roster, yeah, you're going to win 25 games. So, I mean, understand what I'm saying. Within his role, he's very, very good at it if he's surrounded by the right cast. And right now the Suns in 2020-2021 – have that cast to surround a guy like Saric where he can be most effective and help you win basketball games against the better teams in the league I thought Mikhail bridges and Jay Crowder came out of the game out of the gates in the game uh determined focused uh, shooting the ball very very well uh, knocking down threes in the thir- first quarter and to me uh, that told me that this team was locked in you know especially considering the way they played Sunday in Minnesota uh, when they were anything but locked in they could not only not make a three they couldn't make a layup and they were throwing the Ball all over the court and into the third row of the uh, arena. Uh, But last night, laser focus as Bridges and Crowder were knocking down threes. Uh, Devin Booker was playing well. uh, And the Suns really just came out and played an excellent game. Now, Devin Booker uh, gets ejected in the third quarter, as I mentioned. We talked a lot about that in the last segment. But we did hear from Devin Booker today at Suns' shoot-around as they get set for the Warriors uh, tomorrow night. So we do want to hear from Booker right now about the ejection last night and what the Suns' All-Star had to say about it. I've heard worse
2: things and seen worse things said during, you know, least important games, um, and nothing was done about it. But, you know, I'm kind of past the situation. You know, as you guys know, I get over things pretty quickly, and, you know, my main focus is keep getting better and keep winning games.
0: Yeah, and and obviously his teammates had his back last night. He gets ejected, and you thought – Okay, you know, might this game be a little tougher to win now? Well, of course you thought that, you know, but could it be a game now that the Suns would drop? And if they do lose it, you know, is the focus today on Devin Booker, uh, you know, running his mouth and getting ejected and costing his team a game that was apparently winnable, but it doesn't matter now the Suns, you know, rallied around that ejection, uh, and got got the W now I mentioned Sarich, Bridges, and Crowder, uh, there's more to that, Cam Johnson and Abdul Nader really not gaudy statistics Uh, Cam had only nine, Nader had only eight uh, but again, key shots at key moments that contributed to the Suns building that lead, uh And extending that lead in the fourth quarter uh, where they could win it comfortably uh, by the final score of 114 to 104. So, again, now the Suns are 15 and 3 in their last 18, second best record in the NBA, second best record in the Western Conference. Uh, You know, expect the Western Conference standings to be, they're so tight, you know, it's going to kind of be like musical chairs. You know, when the music stops playing, you know, who knows where anybody's going to end up because I think everybody's going to start playing their best basketball down the stretch, and I expect the Suns uh, to be right there in the mix. But I mentioned earlier that the country and the people that follow this game and fans that watch this game are starting to really take the Suns serious now uh, as not only a team that is having a nice season uh, as a team that could or will make the playoffs, but as maybe a team that could do some damage in the playoffs, like you look at the Suns right now and you look at the Western Conference, like, you know, in years past, you would always say, well, uh, you know, hell, even if they get in, I mean, they're not beating the Lakers or they're not going to beat the Warriors at the eighth seed, you know, and you'd be right. You look at it now, and first of all, they're likely not going to be a a bottom seed in the playoffs. But you look around that, that conference right now, and if the Suns continue to play well and stay healthy... I mean, is there a team that they can't give a run to in the playoffs in a seven-game series, even if Anthony Davis comes back? I mean, am I missing something? Is is there a team out there in the West right now that you don't think the Suns could give a series to for seven games? I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't think so. You know, so, I mean, let's let's not talk about just making the playoffs. Let's talk about aiming high. Let's talk about winning a series or two, maybe even more. You know, if you're like me, you probably have a love hate relationship with ESPN at times. I, for one, used to watch the network religiously. Now I pretty much just go for games. Uh, A lot of a lot of people just, you know, kind of irk me, I guess, uh, on the network. One of them being Stephen A. Smith. Uh, who gets paid $10 million a year to spout off on every single topic. Uh, But there are times where I like Stephen A. Smith, and that's when I agree with him. (laughs) This morning, I agreed with Stephen A. Smith because he spoke eloquently and
3: quite nicely about our Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns still showed up and showed out and handled their business. And I understand that the Lakers were shorthanded, but without Devin Booker, aren't they supposed to be shorthanded? With CP3 only hitting one field goal the entire game, although he registered 10 assists. Is that not a big deal? But I'm looking at Mikel Bridges. I'm looking at Cyrex. I'm looking at the rest of these cats, even a Jay Crowder and all of these boys. And I'm just saying to myself, excuse me, the Phoenix Suns are coming. Best record in the NBA since late January. 15 of their last 18 games they've won. They play defense. They go at it. And I just love the fact that they're on the rise and they're doing what they're doing. Because, again, if they had been a team that had been there all of this time, Max, then it would not have been a big deal that they beat the Lakers. But the fact that they're just now ascending from bubble play to now, and you see them continuing to get better and better, you see how exceptionally well-coached they are. You see how exceptionally, uh, exceptional of a defensive team they are. You recognize the star that is Devin because he is a star. Make no mistake about it. And I just love what I'm seeing right now, man. I'm just looking at these guys right here. And Aiton, well, by the way, he finished with 17 points. This brother can play. Big boy can play. Obviously, he was picked before uh, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and those boys. And so we sit up there and look at him along with his injured history. And we say, ah, oh, what's, what's the big deal? But the brother can play. The brother can play. And so I'm just happy with what I'm seeing right now. And I'm going to give him props where it's due. Aha. The brother can play.
0: I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. The brother can play. (laughs) And, you know, on a side note before we hit the break, aren't you glad? And, listen, if you disagreed with the Paul trade because of the money and the age, you can just lie and say you never did. But, finally, the powers that be in the organization finally figured out that you need great players to win. In this league, and they cost a lot of money. Go get a Chris Paul when he's available. Take a shot. Pay the man his money. Bring in guys that can help you win games and make the playoffs. But no, we we're gonna get Ricky Rubio and we got Ty Jerome. He's gonna be good. No, that's how you win 25 games. You know? We're going to lose Amari, but we're going to make up for Amari with Hito Turkaloo and Hakeem Warwick and Josh Childress. It's going to be great. No. That's how you win 30 games. We can't trade for Kyrie Irving. We have Josh Jackson. This guy's going to be great. All right. Enough. When great players are available, if you can't get them in the draft, if they come available on the open market, go out and get them. Pat Riley's made a career on that in Miami. He's got a lot of rings to show for it. Because building through the draft is rough. Ask Ryan McDonough. Josh Jackson, Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, Alex Len. go on and on and on. Pat Riley says, I'll find out who can play in the league and then I'll go get them. (laughs) Suns finally figured it out. Paid Chris Paul his money. Went out and got him. Oh, and now look. Oh, look at us now. We're going to the playoffs. Shocker. Absolute shocker. <laughs> All right. Coming up, let's get some Cardinal talk in. Steve Keim, uh met the media today. Really good stuff. Obviously, we have not heard from the Cardinals uh, yet on the acquisition of J.J. Watt. So good stuff from Kime today. We're going to hear uh, a little bit from that in case you missed it. You were at the office today. We'll hear what Kime had to say coming up in just about three minutes. It's the Rundown. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski, Arizona Sports, 98.7. On the Rundown, Tim Ringan for Luke Lipinski, 631 on a Wednesday. Talking Suns in that first half hour. We'll get back into those guys in a little bit. Got a shift to the Cardinals, of course. Steve Kime meeting the uh, media today. J.J. Watt, touchdown in Arizona yesterday, I believe. Mike Bidwell flying him in on his plane. J.J. coming in looking all big and Captain America-like with his black sweatshirt on and his white. Sneakers, his wife ready to make a difference here in Arizona. You know, real real quick, it, 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 it's amazing um, how local media has changed in the last five or six years with the professional teams now employing essentially their own television departments and radio for the most part. So the Cardinals have, a, and the guys over at the Cardinals are great, uh, but they now control their own media. you know. So when J.J. Watt gets off that plane, the Cardinals have their TV cameras there, and they can interview J.J. Watt, and they can put that on their website, and they can put that out on social media, and fans can experience that. And that's great. I mean, fans don't care where that comes from as long as they can see that shot. And it's funny because I come from a a local television background. And I can tell you in years past, you know, before pro sports teams did that and employed their own uh, departments and their own cameras and their own reporters, you know, to, to get that shot of the newly acquired superstar coming off the plane. I mean, for local media and television, that was like the white whale like yeah how, how do you get that guy you know landing on the plane you know especially before 911 you know when you can actually take a camera into the airport and you can get your guy you know getting off the plane you know i remember when we when we would when i was starting out we would have travel agents on the payroll and the payroll was like free tickets but we'd have travel agents that were on our payroll and we would trade them tickets and they would give us the information, you know, when, you know, so-and-so, what flight they were on and when they were arriving you know, at the airport. And then we'd all go out there and we'd wait and, you know, sh- with bated breath for, you know, Superstar X to come walking off the plane and we'd get that interview and, you know, hooray, we got it. And that'd be great. You know, but nowadays, the teams control it and and fans are the better for it because, Listen, if you're a Cardinal fan, you don't care where you see the video from. You're going to get it from the Cardinals, you know, and now local TV stations are rendered, you know, more and more, you know, not not useless, but but unimportant, if you will, because they're never going to get that shot. First of all, these guys are flying on private jets and you're never going to get into the smaller airports Uh, But you're just never going to get that stuff and you're not going to get the interview because the Cardinals are going to interview J.J. Watt themselves and they're going to put it on their social media, you know. So it's interesting how times have changed over the years with with teams now, you know, controlling their message and controlling the narrative, you know, and then the teams actually, you know, they're going to make sure that they ask the questions they want to ask and you know it's an, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful video and they have the pictures of JJ with Mike Bidwell signing the contract and you know that's the media coverage and and it's in a way better than what local tv stations were trying to scramble to get you know in years past so the the fans win uh the team wins and local tv loses you know but you know that's kind of the, the, the evolution of the whole thing. Anyway, uh, the Cardinals, uh, Steve Keim, GM, uh, a little press conference today, uh, real interested to hear what he had to say about, you know, how it went down with Watt, where they think they're going to play him, uh, why uh, so much money spent on J.J. Watt, uh, the, the the courtship of J.J. Watt. Um, so real quick, rather than just playing maybe 15, 20 seconds, uh, I thought if you're listening to the rundown here at 630, you've probably been busy most of the day. Uh, so what Jeff Darge behind the glass here and I did was we kind of put together the best of Steve Kime. So it's going to be a few minutes longer. So dive in, listen in, settle back, listen to Steve Kime for a few minutes, and then I'll be back in just a few. Steve,
4: thanks for doing this. Uh, first question is really about uh... – When you started pursuing J.J., he said it was pretty quick after he got released. When you went on the radio show here in town, you said you would take a swing or you might be willing to take a swing. Were you already lining up to hit a home run then when you said that?
5: Well, as soon as he was uh, officially released, the first thing I did was uh, take a look at the tape and uh, quickly realized that um, JJ Watt still looked like JJ Watt in my opinion. Uh, for a number of years, I haven't had to look at him because of obvious reasons. But uh, when I turned on the tape, was pleasantly surprised. Saw that he still played over a thousand snaps last year and um, was still the dominant defender that I, that I remembered. You know, with his quickness, his burst, his ability to defend uh, offensive tackles and guards, and to, to line up at a multitude of spots. Um, exciting to add a guy like that, not only just because of his play on the field, but what he brings to the locker room, that sort of that affectionate passion, um, some of the things that we were really looking for from a leadership standpoint. Hey, Steve, um, adding JJ, um, it's kind of a two-parter. Does he make you a contender now, not just for the, for a playoff spot, but maybe a run deep into the playoffs, possibly a Super Bowl and, and if so, how does he add that to the team? I don't know if I would I would use the word contender. Um it's hard for me to, to, to say that. Uh, what it does do is, is the goal in mind was to improve our football team, and that's what I said on the radio several weeks ago, which was um, any chance that we have to improve this football team, we'll take a look at it, whether it works business-wise, football-wise. And it did in both areas for us uh, in this instance. So really feel like that um, he's going to come in and to be able to play beside Chandler Jones and create the type of pressure that those two can create um, was obviously very exciting for us. Um, When you look at the Super Bowl or the playoffs or um, as as talented as these quarterbacks have gotten across the league, the the ability to create pressure and get quarterbacks off of their spot has become so critical. So uh, to have a guy like this and, again, to bring in this infectious personality that can uh, not only help young players develop, but hold people accountable, which is really, really important to me.
0: Steve, you mentioned
4: he can play multiple spots. I'm wondering if you have an optimal position for him and does
0: that at all affect how you look at free agency where he can't play the edge and he can't play interior?
5: Yeah, I mean, he'll play all the way across the front. He bounces anywhere from a three to a five to a wide seven, and that's the great thing about J.J. is that versatility that he brings, the athleticism to play inside and out, uh, and then the fire and the competitiveness he has. I mean, the guy still, um, again, not only has that great get-off and first step, but his repertoire of pass rush moves, his his hand speed and, and the uh, ability to play with leverage is, is second to none. I mean, the guy is so instinctive, and the way he Diagnosis blocking schemes is just phenomenal.
0: Next three, please. Kevin, Mike, and Catherine.
6: Hey, Steve. Heard you uh, saying um, who was helping you recruit JJ. I'm uh, just curious if you go into that, like, with a grand plan mapped out or if those guys, like Frank Aliando, Hop, and all them, really just kind of do it themselves to help recruit you in that case.
5: Well, I mean, anytime you you recruit a guy like um, J.J. Watt, at least of that stature, uh, to me, you want to do as much as you can, and and I obviously think Arizona is a, is a destination place for for players across the league. Um, I've gotten a number of of uh, calls and texts um, from from our own players who help recruit, and that's what you love about your locker room is guys are vested, uh, they care. Uh, not only that, but they give me an intimate knowledge that not only here's what I see on film, but here's what makes this guy tick every day. Uh, we, we're not able to call the, the coaches at the Texans or, or some of the other teams unless they worked with him in the past. So to be able to have intimate knowledge of guys who were their teammates is, is huge for me because uh, there's a number of players on our team that I ultimately trust. And again, to be able to lean on guys like DeAndre Hopkins and, and Larry over the years and Pat Peterson and uh, all the players that call, Kyler Murray, I mean, it's just it's really helpful to the process process but you know when you pull in other people it's it's fun too because um, we all know that everybody loves the celebrity world and to have guys like Frank and and obviously Blake Shelton as a friend um, those guys
0: can help too all right so uh, Frank Caliendo and Blake Shelton are part of the uh, Cardinals recruiting team good 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 to know hey listen it worked on JJ Watt you know I've always maintained uh, two when it comes to recruiting players uh, in this day and age, especially to a place like Arizona, if I were the GM and, you know, I if Steve Klein were sitting here and asked him, maybe he would agree with me, I'd also recruit the wives 100%. You know, I mean, sell them on Paradise Valley and, and Camelback Mountain and, and, and w- what it's like to live here. You know, I mean, especially when your competition is places are places like Green Bay, Buffalo and Cleveland. No offense. Not that there's anything wrong with those places. But you say to a wife, hey, look, you know, Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, Camelback Mountain, as opposed to Green Bay, Cleveland, Buffalo. Then she sits there with J.J. or her husband at night. And they're talking about things. Where do you think she's going to nudge him to? Okay. I think that helps. I, 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 I've I would always maintained that, you know, especially in the NBA where it's really tough to sell free agents on your spot and what you're trying to do. I've always thought our professional teams should use our location as a recruiting pitch tool to not only the players, but also their spouses. Always believe that. I would do that. If I were running a team from a GM standpoint, real quick, uh, JJ Watts contract details came out today. Really not different than the initial report, which always comes from the agent. Uh, not exactly 31 million. It could be 31. If he hits some sack incentives, it's really 28 million, $12 million bonus, 14 and a half this season. Uh, you capologists at home, you armchair capologists have at it. Um, how that affects Peterson and Fitzgerald, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, To me, the the bigger question with Larry Fitzgerald is, you know, do the Cardinals know Fitz is already stepping away and they know they don't have that $11 million price tag they need to spend on number 11? And that made the decision to go get J.J. Watt a little easier. So uh, we're going to get into Fitz a little bit later on as well. By the way, Fitz has yet to welcome J.J. Watt. Via social media, and he usually does that. Does it mean anything? Don't know. Just saying that's that's a fact. All right, we're taking a break. When we come back, gonna again shift gears because uh, college hoops. It's March. The NCAA tournament is around the corner. Uh, unless ASU goes on a historic run and wins the Pac-12 tournament, they're not going. Uh, but still, they have a chance to finish the season over five hundred and maybe make some noise uh, in the conference dance in Las Vegas. going to hear from Bobby Hurley coming up after the break. It's the Rundown. Tim Rangan for Luke Lipinski. Arizona Sports
6: 98.7. Summer after high school when-
0: 701 on a Wednesday, timbering in for Luke Lipinski. Good to be with you here for about another hour or so on the rundown. Talking ASU hoops. Got ASU football coming up in about 28 minutes. Spring football, believe it or not, opened up today. And there are a whole bunch of storylines. There are a whole bunch of starters back on both sides of the ball. There are a whole bunch of transfers. And who better to talk ASU football with than the great editor of SunDevilSource.com, Chris Cartman. Uh, that's coming up in about 28 minutes. So I want to get the table set for ASU spring football. And after the year the Sun Devil football program had in 2020, uh, talk about hitting Control-Alt-Delete and resetting that table uh, is going to sound awfully good. Uh, because what a miserable campaign it was. Look, it was tough for everybody, everywhere. Uh, but Pac-12... Football teams really had it bad, and ASU had it the worst of the bunch, uh, certainly uh, (laughs) playing only four games last season. So uh, they are starting anew. They got a lot of guys back, a lot of optimism uh, for the Sun Devils in 2021. So we'll talk to Chris Cartman about that. Uh, Some news from baseball today real quick before we get back into the Suns. Uh, Off the field. Uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone, did you hear about this? Immediate leave of absence as he needed surgery to get a pacemaker. Uh, so the Yankees manager uh, is going to be uh, out for a bit, not not very long. Uh, the length of time missed is is really not the story to me. The story is that Aaron Boone, uh, at the age of 47, needs a pacemaker. Now, Boone, as you probably don't know or don't remember, actually – had open heart surgery in 2009 so now at the age of 47 after feeling lightheaded low energy shortness of breath uh, over the past couple of months uh, had some tests done and they determined that Boone, uh, despite being only and I, I think i can say when it comes to pacemakers only 47 years of age uh, had a pacemaker put in, so he's going to be out for a few days. But uh, Aaron Boone, pacemaker at the age uh, of 47. All right. Phoenix Suns on the road last night get a win in LA for the first time in four years. 2017 was the last time it happened. They went at 114 104. Yeah, it was a depleted Laker team. You know, let's make no bones about it. But at the same time, you know, the Phoenix Suns did it without their big guns ablazing either. Uh, Devin Booker ejected with about seven minutes to play in the third quarter. Chris Paul makes one basket. DeAndre Ayton doesn't play in the fourth quarter. So the Suns supporting cast uh, defeated LeBron James and the Lakers uh, supporting cast last night. But for me, uh, you know, let's not get into who was on the court. For me, uh, this was a mental hurdle and a step that the Suns just needed to take as a team and as an organization to go on the road and beat the Lakers in Staples Center, and it helped that LeBron James was on the floor. Yeah, that that that, that was key. If he wasn't in the game, then maybe you don't get over it. Maybe we're not talking about it so much today. But he was out there. And the Suns hadn't beaten that team on the road in four years, and they go out there and they get it done uh, in a game where they didn't necessarily have their top players putting up big offensive numbers, and that makes you feel real good. Now, real quick, the reason why Devin Booker wasn't in the game after the seven minute mark, you know, let me just, you know, revisit that real quick. And I know James Jones and Monty Williams were kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word pointing the finger at Devin Booker, but they were pointing the finger at Devin Booker today a little bit, kind of casting the blame on on Book, saying, listen, you know, he's got to be smarter. He's got to be better. He's got to control his emotions uh he's got to control his temper he's got to understand the officials uh what you can say what you can't because we can't have that happen in a game later in the season certainly we can't have that happen in a playoff game so i get all that you know they're trying to coach up uh, a player who's still a pretty young player certainly uh playing in a high stakes situation Really, for the first time uh, in his career, certainly will be the playoffs for the first time in his career. But having said all that, the officials last night, give me a break. Give me a damn break. Are you kidding me? Give the guy one T, tell him to zip it, and you walk away and put the whistle in your pocket. It's a nationally televised game on TNT, primetime on the West Coast LeBron James versus Devin Booker, two of the best teams in the league. And you double-T Booker, two different refs. He wasn't animated. He wasn't physically going after people. He wasn't ranting and raving like Rashid Wallace back in the day. Okay, you know, as, as Gambo reported today... You know, he called the ref a word that rhymes with itch. Okay, well, there's one T. Where's the other one coming from? Was he handing out B words like Halloween candy to multiple refs? Kind of doubt it. You're a B word. You're a B word. TT, you're gone. Give me a break. That didn't happen. You know, for a league that really prides itself, sometimes nefariously, on doing what's best for the show, okay? Putting on the best show possible. Hello, let's assign Dick Bavetta to game six so we make sure we get a game seven in this series, okay? To eject Devin Booker last night, ridiculous. Preposterous. Devin Booker wasn't out of control. Devin Booker was upset that he got all ball on a previous possession and he felt he wasn't getting, or his team, wasn't getting the same calls. So he let the refs know about it. Fine. Tee him up. Walk away. Give him a warning. Devin, one more word out of you, I'm going to tee you up again and you're gone. But you don't double tee him, bang, bang, you're gone. Nobody could believe it. Nobody even could figure out what was happening. You know, Brian Anderson and James Jackson, Jimmy Jackson, were on the call last night. Forgive me, I watched the game. I'm not sure if they were at home or if they were up high in the arena that night, but they had no clue what the hell was going on. You know, in the COVID era, you know, I feel for the play-by-play guys, you know, not being right down there in the action anymore. And they had no idea what was going on. None of us did. Until Booker started walking off the court pulling his jersey out of his shorts. Like, are you kidding me? Devin Booker was just kicked out of a Laker game in a tight game on national TV midway through the third quarter because he called the ref a name and he bounced the ball hard? Get out of here. Go get your shine box, ref. Unacceptable by the NBA. That can't happen. So, yeah, okay, Devin Booker, fine. You got to watch your emotions. Okay, we get it. Can't happen by the NBA. All right, having said all that, credit the Suns for rallying after that and getting the job done and getting out of there with a W uh, in a game that Chris Paul, you know, took four shots, (laughs) made one. DeAndre Ayton, for matchup reasons or whatever, doesn't play in the fourth quarter, fine. 15-3 in their last 18 games. Monty knows what he's doing. Dario Saric. A pro's pro, right? You got him in the right role, he can deliver in high-leverage situations. He's got a game. Can shoot the three, can rebound, can pass, score in the post. Embarrassed Markeve Morris on a post move last night. I loved it. I'm sure you did, too. Mikel Bridges came out firing from the corner for three early on, setting the tone. Jay Crowder solid throughout. Cameron Johnson hitting big shots, Abdul Nader hitting big shots in the second half. Not huge numbers from those two, but Cam Johnson with nine, Nader with eight. But it's not always how many you get, it's when you get them. And when you watch the game and you watch the ebb and flow of the game, you know last night that Cam Johnson and Abdul Nader hit big shots at critical moments. And I don't care that they only combined for 17, those are 17 key points that helped the Suns win a game on the road against one of the best teams in the league. Period. Period. Was there a bright spot to all this with Devin Booker getting kicked out? Eddie Johnson thinks so. This was the best lesson for
4: Devin ever. Because what it showed him last night, hey, man, we're just we're good too. You know, it's like Devin can't walk away and say, man, I got thrown out. We lost.
1: It's because of
4: me. Uh Uh-huh. You saw what they did when he got out. They took it to another level. They showed Devin that, you know, we can do things, man. And Devin recognizes that because he passes the ball a lot. He's he's elevated his game in an unselfish way. But it really showed him last night when they just took it to another level and everybody thought the Lakers would walk them down and they elevated. Tariq elevated his game. Nader elevated his game. That had to make Devin smile, man. And, and, and so for that, good Devin got kicked out last night because it showed us something else about the sun.
0: Yeah. You know what? I'll buy that. You know, taking a page out of the uh, Normandale playbook. You, you get kicked out of the game on purpose uh, to give Shooter the confidence to lead the team, you know, in battle uh, at Hickory. You run the picket fence, get the W. So Devin Booker clearly taking a page out of the uh, the Normandale playbook uh, there. Uh, so, yeah, the Suns get the win. Uh, LeBron at 38. Le- 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 LeBron's still a beast, isn't he? <laughs> My God. <laughs> he almost looks inhuman out there at times, like he's another species. Uh, so good. Still so, so good. You might not like him. I don't like him at times either. But LeBron James is still, still, still such a, a force to be reckoned with. All right, so they got the Warriors uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you catch that game right here. I'll be back for halftime and post game sh- uh, tomorrow night for uh, the Suns game here on Arizona Sports ninety eight seven. And that's the last game before the All Star break. And boy, you got so much momentum now. You know, don't don't mentally leave on the All Star break before the game if you know what I'm saying. You know, the Warriors are a dangerous team. They're up and down, but they can beat you. You got Steph Curry on the floor, they can beat you. Take care of business. You built up so much goodwill with that win last night. Get a W tomorrow night. You know, get that record to 24-11. and Get to the break and then come back and then steamroll your way into the postseason. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Steve Kime, more thoughts from him on J.J. Watt. Also, some brief thoughts from Steve Kime on the future of Larry Fitzgerald. It's the rundown. Tim Ring in for Luke Lipinski. It's Arizona Sports 98.7. 718 on a Wednesday night. Tim ring in for Luke Lipinski. It is the rundown. We got some ASU football coming up in about 12 minutes. Chris Cartman is going to join me as they kicked off spring football today. Excited to talk to Chris about the 2021 Sun Devils. Um, Cardinal football now. J.J. J. Watt uh, obviously is in the fold. Uh, a lot of talk about Watt the last couple of days, of course. Uh, but Steve Kime did meet the media today. So it really the, the first chance for the Cardinals GM to speak a little bit about what went in to the signing of Watt and what the Cardinals were thinking and bringing in uh, Watt for that deal. By the way, the, the numbers were... Or released today uh, not too different than what was initially reported although there's some SAC incentives to get it up to those 31 million dollars that were reported on monday the deal is a 12 million dollar bonus uh 28 million over two years 14.5 million this season three million dollars in sack incentives over the next couple of years so capologists there at home have at it, and discuss amongst yourselves, because we're not going to do it here for the next hour and a half. Okay? Um, I will say this though. Steve Kime uh, s- signaled out what, as soon as he was released, watched film, made sure he could still play. Kime believes he can, believes that This is a guy that, again, not only can improve his defense, obviously, uh, but also can be the guy in the locker room uh, that can help the Cardinals take that next step uh, and become not only a playoff team, but a team that can do some damage once they get there. Here's some quick thoughts on Steve Keim about the addition of J.J. Watt. Well, any
5: time that you uh, you create more attention up front, um, Mike, we know that uh, you know, that certainly pulls more double teams and blockers and attention to that area. So it obviously frees up other defenders, and usually it's at the second level where it can be guys like Chandler who have the opportunity to defeat one-on-one blocks and guys like Buda Baker to fly all over the field untouched. So it does a number of things for you. Uh, he is obviously going to create a, uh, havoc, and, and um, he's going to need to have some attention from the op- opposing sidelines so uh, that's really exciting for us and and I know that uh, Chandler's excited Buddha everybody uh, on that defense has already texted me how excited they are with the addition of JJ Watt
6: Steve with adding JJ to the mix what's the ripple effect on the rest of the roster when you look at you know other guys in the past rush Marcus Hassan their future with the team
5: yeah i mean there's so we have twenty eight pending free agents of our own and and uh, there are a number of them that we 'd like to have back uh, so um, you know just doing the cost of business and, and the way things work, uh, some of those players will be able to be able to return and but really, it depends on what the market uh, is going to present and we don 't really understand with the down cap we still don 't have a hard number from the league yet we know we 're operating at one hundred and eighty million as the floor, but there' are still some things to to, to find and you know for the thing goes up eight or four or five million dollars that makes a huge difference and it could be a number of players that you could um, slot in those spots so we'll continue to be active we want to sign again a number of our own players and then there'll be some players in free agency we'll try to sign as well
0: yeah so there you go you know i mean listen you're never going to get concrete answers out of steve keim or any general manager in the history of the league in any sport in these type of press conferences uh, but yeah, the Cardinals now have some decisions, and you know Hassan Reddick. You know, you're not you're you're not going to franchise him. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think, and, and pay him sixteen million dollars. Uh, you know, I, so what is he going to get on the open market? You know, are other teams going to get sucked into the numbers this year, or are teams going to be wise and say, let's look at the body you work over a career and understand that yeah, those were good numbers. You can't take them away. But five of those sacks did come in one game, you know. So let's you know let's be real about this. What this guy you know is worth, as great as he was last year compared to his first several years in the league, I, I get it. You know, so what is he going to get on the open market? And I think the Cardinals will wait to see maybe what the open market bears on him because he was a first round draft pick, and, and you hate to lose those guys after three years. Uh, so there is something to be said for that. Um, as for Larry Fitzgerald, you know, there's thought now initially, hey, J.J. J. Watt's here. Maybe this is going to make Fitz want to come back. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know. You know. I think Larry's going to do what he wants to do, and and J.J. J. Watt's arrival here is probably not going to move the Fitzgerald meter all that much. I thought it was interesting that Larry is yet to welcome J.J. J. Watt to Arizona versus uh, via social media, uh, as Larry's been prone to do for big acquisitions like this uh, over his career. It doesn't mean... I mean, what does it mean? I don't know. Uh, but I think it's worth noting. Uh, Larry, you know, obviously has been paid $11 million in the last couple of years. And as I noted on Monday night here, uh, you know, I, I always I go back to that that Brenson Buckner tweet after the season ended, you know, and I know everybody was quick to downplay it because, you know, if it was true, uh, that was not the way Fitz's retirement announcement was supposed to be announced. You know, certainly, you know, not the way Fitz deserved to have it announced or or the way he wanted it announced, uh but for some reason, you know Brenston Buckner was darn sure that Larry Fitzgerald was retiring, you know, and did Larry tell him that you know they were right there together taking a picture, you know now, it doesn't mean Larry could have told him that he was retiring then, and since then has changed his mind uh but i still you know lean towards the fact that my, in my opinion uh that larry is walking away from the game um i just think the production last year uh and once again you know not making the playoffs uh because missing those games for covid uh, he can no longer break the consecutive games with a catch record in 2021 which i think he could have broken had he not missed those games for COVID, so that carrot is not out there for Larry personally anymore. Um, so we'll see. You know, and the other thing is, you know, the, the speculation that you know the Cardinals know they don't need to spend 11 million dollars on on Larry, so they were free to spend some of that on JJ Watt. Here's Kime on Larry's future. Uh, Talked to him quite a bit, but just
5: nothing to report at this time. I mean, again, I've said it uh, a few times that, you know, he deserves that space. And, um, you know, there's uh, at some point in time, I'm sure we'll talk to him here in the near future.
0: Hey, Steve,
1: hope is going well. Uh, I want to go back to Larry real quick. What do you think the holdup is on his decision? And then second, what has he meant to you? I mean, over your the relationship with
5: him over your career here? Knowing him, he's probably just trying to make me sweat. But, uh, no, I don't know. You know, I, I, it's it's a private thing for a player, and, um, you know, we've always given Larry a space, and he's taken his, his time, which, again, there's nobody that deserves that more than him.
0: Yeah, you know, and, again, it's, it's Larry's announcement to make. So even if Steve Keim knows something, he's certainly not going to, Talk about it in a press conference today. So he's going to play those cards extremely uh, close to the vest. Real quick before we hit the break, uh, Patrick Peterson on his podcast today uh, had this to say uh, about the acquisition of Watt and how it could impact him. Um, I think it's a great pickup
2: for Chandler, for him to have, you know, uh, somebody on the other side of him that can attract the same attention that he can. Free him up a little bit more. Um, obviously it makes it easier for the guys on the back end when you can have, you know, two, two dogs that can get after the quarterback. That's their specialty, I believe. Mm-hmm. I played since 2012, they're one and two in, in sacks and like 96. You know, five. and I think Chandler may have 90. I, I can't remember which one is first, but they both got 90 plus sacks mm-hmm. <laughs> since 2012. Yeah. I think Chandler, is, I think Chandler is first. Okay. Which yeah. is unbelievable. So, um, I think it's a great match. You know, um, I can't wait to see, you know, how those guys end up, you know, playing with each other. All
0: right, that's Patrick Peterson. Obviously, you know, thinks highly of the J.J. Watt acquisition. Uh, do we have time, Jeff, one for one more Patrick Peterson cut? Yeah, let's 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 go ahead and play that real quick. You know, you
2: you never know what's going to happen. You know, I think you know with that, you know, with them adding a piece like J.J. Watt, it definitely makes you, you know, think about you know your future here or, you know, whatever it, it, it may be. But, you know, Steve is doing a great job of uh, of trying, you know, to, to put together a, a good team, and it was a great splash to start off, you know, the 21 season.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the, the only, you know, kernel of news I ascertained from that is that, yeah, when a lot of money goes to J.J. Watt, there's less money for a guy like me, you know. And I, and I think, you know, again, Patrick Peters is going to find out what he's worth on the open market you know how much is a team willing to commit from a dollar amount for uh, an aging cornerback but also from a year standpoint and that might be again you know hey the cardinals may say listen you know what what can you get on the open market come back to us and give us a shot or or patrick may not even be willing to do that we know the relationship has been somewhat frayed between peterson and the cardinals over the past several years so maybe he's Maybe he's keen on on a new start. You know, something else real quick before the break that nobody really talks about, and I have not had a chance to ask Patrick this, uh, but one thing that I I have seen in years past with a couple of Hall of Fame cornerbacks in Rod Woodson and Charles Woodson is that these guys prolong their careers because they were such great football players by playing the last few years of their careers at safety and were pro-bowl caliber, all-pro caliber safeties for a while, and were great assets to their respective teams. You know, Patrick Peterson, as great an athlete, certainly, as those two guys were, and I just wonder, you know, if he bulked up a little bit, if maybe he could be a great safety uh, for the final three or four years of his career. I don't know. Something to think about. I haven't heard it mentioned, but I do know in the past with great corners— that were also great athletes and great football players uh, that had the physique and the strength and the size to do it, were able to do it. And I think Patrick Peterson's also one of those guys physically and talent-wise that could maybe do something like that to prolong his career and still be a great asset for either the Cardinals or any uh, football team. All right, we're taking a break. Still talking football after the break. Arizona State opens up spring football today. What does that mean for Herm Edwards, Antonio Pierce, and Jaden Daniels? Chris Cartman, Sun Devil Source, Arizona Sports, ninety-eight-seven. Back after this. Back 734 on a Wednesday night. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not normally a huge spring football guy. I mean, I cover it, and I, I watch it with a passing interest. Maybe if there's a great quarterback battle or certainly a new head coach. But it's not really my jam. Jam. Fall practice, yeah, I'm all over it, right? <laughs> but spring foot. but I got to tell you, I woke up today, and I could not be more excited about ASU spring football, not from a fan standpoint, could not be more excited for the ASU program and those players to return to some sense of normalcy after the garbage that program endured in 2020. And look, we all went through it in our own way. But from a pure football standpoint, boy, those kids really had a rough go of it from a pure football standpoint and now they were back on the field today and there's a lot of optimism with the 2021 sun devils and who better to talk about it than my good friend chris Cartman, the editor of sundevilsource.com chris thanks for joining me man good to hear your voice again how you doing
6: Kim, I'm awesome. It feels like old time. Glad to talk to you.
0: (laughs) That's right. Listen, man, before we jump into this, I want to give you a plug. As per usual, it's always a great time right now to subscribe to Sundevilsource.com and become a VIP member, is it not?
6: (laughs) Man, it really is, especially uh, until midnight tonight, you get CBS All Access included with the fifty percent off Sun Devil Source. So it's right now is like the best day you're probably gonna get all year.
0: <laughs> there you go. I knew it. I knew it. It's always a great time to join Sun dot <laughs> Hey, listen, Chris, before we jump into spring football, NFL Combine invites went out today. Three hundred and twenty-three players, two Sun Devils, Asari Crosswell and Frank Darby. Uh real quick, just your 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 brief thoughts. Were any Sun Devils Snubbed in your opinion on a combine invite?
6: No, I don't think so. Okay. And that's primarily just because ASU has almost all of their seniors from last year returning. Right, uh, Crosswell decided to leave the team last year in the middle of the year. Uh, but didn't wasn't sure if he would get an invite or not. He, he was a really highly regarded player coming out of high school and started as a freshman, so it makes sense in that regard. Frank Darby obviously deserves you know that opportunity. Was looked really good. Uh, at, at points during the week in the Reese's Bowl, so but no, with ASU twenty uh, starters coming back, yeah. 19, I guess it's it's uh, it's pretty rare to have that happen, and so no no snubs.
0: All right, so believe it or not, fourth season now already for Herm Edwards. Before we gotta get into the details, just kind of give me the set the table, Chris. Now, as the dust has settled now from the the COVID campaign of twenty twenty, just in your estimation, what are the lingering effects? of 2020 mentally physically on the roster uh you know the lack of practice last year the lack of game action how this all affected the program as we sit here today on march 3rd 2021
6: well it was a really rough start to their season they had all these covid uh interruptions after going through all of summer and fall with not having any problems and then they Lose a game to USC, they should have won, and that really took a lot of air out of their sails. Immediately after that, they have you know all these you know COVID problems, and they don't play for almost a month, twenty eight days, I think it was, uh, to UCLA. Uh, you know, and, and then they, they finished the season on a really high note with the, the, that seventy seven over Arizona, uh, beat up on Oregon State, put a lot of points on the board, got a lot of their backups and reserves onto the field, feeling good about themselves and making some plays. And that's the type of thing that re-energizes you. So even though with a, a four-game small sample size, uh, they uh, were the, the top-scoring offense in the Pac-12 last year at 40 points per game. Uh, they were the top-scoring defense. You rarely are going to see that. Uh, they have to do it over you know a, a regular schedule. But um, just the, what they are – saying is they realize that expectations are really high and they should be, and this uh, shapes up to be their best team that they've had in the four years under Herm Edwards. They have all of their starters back on defense from a group that – Many of whom were starting when they were freshmen, and now they're going into their fourth year, right? So, yeah. uh, and then on offense, their the run offense was great last year, even uh, after losing Eno you know, Benjamin. Uh, just what they were able to do to shore up their offensive line uh, with Kellen Deesh, the Texas A&M transfer, who was excellent at left tackle. Henry Haddis played well from Stanford, transferring in at right guard, uh, and they have four of those guys coming back this year. On the offensive line, Curtis Hodges is back as a tight end. Rashad White averaged 10 yards a, a carry last year, which is insane. And Deamonte Trainum was really good as a freshman running back. Uh, of course, Jaden Daniels going into his third year. So there's a there's So many things that that really create this uh, emotional sort of energy and synergy about the program right now. And I think their schedule also sets up really well for them, especially in in the first half. So uh, this is probably the most promising that uh, I've seen an ASU team in a number of years.
0: Yeah, Chris Cartman, com. Let me get the obligatory Jaden Daniels question in now. You know, Chris is not only a writer, and the 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 leader of his website but Chris is also a pretty good scout. So uh Chris g- give me through a scout size. Talk to me about Jaden Daniels. Has he put on weight? Do you think he's ready to take the next step to perhaps lead this team to a conference championship, to a major bowl game, to perhaps elevate himself into all-American consideration, Heisman trophy consideration? Where do you see his game at here in March as he embarks on spring football?
6: Yeah, I think you have to take a step back, and uh, he was the best freshman quarterback that I had seen in all my time doing this. But then going into his sophomore year, uh, they, he loses uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, and they have a new coordinator, and it's a much more challenging offensive scheme, a lot more responsibility put on the quarterback then Frank Darby gets hurt against USC doesn't play again. um, And he's adjusting to all of these new personnel around him and a scheme. And then they have the COVID thing, which kind of wiped out almost the whole offense and a lot of their coaches on that side of the ball for a month. And I just think that it was too much really for them to have a great sort of uh, rhythm and continuity throughout the year. Now, uh, seeing him today, he definitely looks like he's gained weight from last year, yep. uh, about 10 pounds, uh, up to around 190 pounds now, which is trending in the right direction. He's going to have to be over 200 pounds probably uh, by the time he's in an NFL combine, you know, projecting out if he's going to be a first, second, even a third-round pick, uh, which he aspires to do. I think there were some technical things last year where he got caught between running and throwing. His mechanics weren't as as crisp. I don't think that he hung in the pocket and really stepped into a lot of his throws as much as he needed to. At the same time, his arm got better last year. Just the overall sort of arm talent continues to improve as he gets bigger and stronger. Uh, he is a very good athlete. He has great capability and playmaking on the move. Uh, his third down capability uh, when teams are, are playing man, uh, it can really hurt uh, opponents because he can scramble and, and get a lot of yards. Uh, So there's a dynamic capability there, but just now that he's getting into sync with his receivers more, he understands his scheme at a better level, their run game is good, I think their play-action ability should really open up. And I do anticipate in a full season where you have that rhythm that he's going to take a big step forward and be one of the most talked-about quarterbacks in the country.
0: Chris, is there a big play receiver on the roster right now that can carry on the Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk, Frank Darby legacy, if you will?
6: There's a few candidates. So, Brian Thompson's transferring in. He's not with the team uh, in in spring. But in Utah, he was their leader in yards per catch over the last three years. And he started a bunch of games at Utah. He's a a really lanky, long, uh, um, high-speed type of a, a receiver on the outside. And then a couple guys that I think showed that capability last year, Jordan Porter. He has track speed, 10, 5, 10, 600 meters uh, if you let him loose, that's going to be a problem. Andre Johnson showed it last year with some double moves and big play capability. So the guy that everybody's really talking about was academically ineligible last year, and that's Elijah Badger. Uh, some coaches even said to me that he might have been their best practice wide receiver on the team last year, and he has a chance to be a Brandon Ayuk type of a guy at that exposition uh LV Bunkley Shelton is somebody who is more of a a uh, a lot of a lot of targets type of a guy underneath yep. h receiver in the slot
0: Chris I got about 30 seconds so I got one more for you Jack Jones Chase Lucas best corner duo you've seen at ASU best corner duo coming up in the pack this season one of the best corner duos in the country yay or nay on all three of those
6: I would say yes. And importantly, you go back to 2013 and they had uh, three in their secondary that were all Pac-12 players. And I would say that this duo is even better than what they had then. Uh, These guys are all Pac-12 level players.
0: Fantastic. Chris Cartman, appreciate it. I know you just posted a story on your uh, thoughts on opening day, so check that out on Sun Devil Source. And as Chris said, it is always a great time to subscribe. And become a VIP member at sundevilsource.com. Chris, appreciate
6: it, man. You're we'll, the man. I appreciate it. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll talk soon. All right, Chris Carvin, okay. sundevilsource.com. We've got to take a quick break when we come back. Uh, final thoughts. We'll put a big bow on this one, uh, kind of get you set for tomorrow, Sons and Warriors. Uh, recap everything that happened today. I'll take a break. Coming back in just a bit, Tim ringing for Luke Lipinski. It's the Rundown, Arizona Sports, 987. It
4: was a teenage wedding, and the old folks. Well. You can see that truly love the
0: all right, Tim, ring back in for Luke Lipinski. Matt, I've had a good time tonight. Jeff, I appreciate your help. Always excellent work behind the glass. I'm sure you've had an unbelievable time. Best time ever. Oh, I. Lo- you know, I, I mentioned, uh, but you can't even talk. You've had such a great time. I'm, 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 I'm exhausted <laughs> from from all of this fun. <laughs> We're going to have so much freaking fun. No, it's going to be in for Luke on Monday and tonight. Uh, Suns and Warriors tomorrow night, 8 o'clock start. Uh, you know, the Suns' final game before the All-Star break. I touched on it earlier. You know, all the momentum they have. They're 15-3 and 3 in their last 18. Big win over the Lakers last night, 114-104. Don't mentally go on the break before the game. Come out, focus tomorrow night. The Warriors are still a dangerous team. They're up and down, but they can beat you. Go out there and, you know, finish. Listen, it's not the end of the world if you lose the game. But let's be real. But go out there and, and hit the break with good thoughts. Hit the break with a 24-11 and record. You take a look at that schedule on the other side of the break. Damage can be done. And the Suns are playing just so well right now. You know, hit that break with the win. Come out focused. Come out and play a darn good basketball game. You know, Chris Paul's arm should be well rested. (laughs) He took four shots last night. Made one of them. Scored eight points. But the Suns get that win over the Lakers, 114-104. Real quick, uh, ASU at... See you tomorrow night. Sun Devils with a win. Get back to the 500 mark. And then they will finish the regular season on the road at Utah on Saturday. Won't be easy in Boulder tomorrow night. See you pretty darn good uh, this season. D-backs win a game finally in spring training. Uh, they knock off the Indians today, 9-4. Uh, D-backs have more runs and hits today than they did in their first three Cactus League games combined. Luke Weaver gets his first start of the season today. Uh, two innings, a shutout, no hit ball. Christian Walker a pair of hits and a home run uh for the D-backs. Bad news, Tim Lacastro, the outfielder, uh diagnosed with COVID. Uh, he will be out 10 days. Torrey Lovello says, though, that, uh, LeCastro is asymptomatic, uh, and he is feeling okay. The Coyotes on the road tonight. Uh, they are at Staples Center one night after the Suns were at Staples Center. Uh, they take on the Kings after having three days off. Uh, again, that game gets going in just about, uh, seven minutes or so. The Coyotes come into that game with a record of nine, nine, and three, uh, on the year. So, uh, there you go. Uh, the D backs are back at it tomorrow. Uh, and again, the Suns and Warriors, 8 o'clock tip. You can hear that game right here on Arizona Sports, 98-7. Then it's the All-Star break. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns after taking on the Golden State Warriors. So, uh, I've appreciated filling in for Luke Lipinski these uh, last couple of days uh, here on the Rundown. Uh, Jeff Darge, appreciate your work behind the glass. Uh, We had a lot of fun uh, on Monday night talking about J.J. Watt and certainly a lot of fun tonight talking about the Phoenix Suns uh, that are flat out on a roll right now. Uh, Stephen A. Smith and the national media, Uh, we had some fun with that earlier today. He has taken notice, as everybody has in the sun right now let's just keep it going uh, they are playing awfully good basketball second best record uh, in the NBA uh, right now uh, and they are uh, again uh, <laughs> uh, playing with all guns ablazing uh, and they are clicking on all cylinders uh, Eddie Johnson earlier tonight said Devin Booker uh, his ejection last night was actually a good thing so even the announcers are clicking on all cylinders. Devin Booker gets ejected, and yet that was a silver lining, and that was a good thing as the Suns beat the Lakers. So uh, that'll do it. I'm out of time for Jeff Darge. I'm Tim Ring, filling in for Luke Lipinski. Uh, we are back tomorrow with Suns and Warriors again, 8 o'clock tip, 7.30 pregame on Arizona Sports eight seven. Have a great Wednesday night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night.